0: I'm casting from our secret compound in Silicon Slopes, Utah, overlooking the entire Utah Tech Corridor, this is the Utah CTO Show. Bite-sized interviews with Utah's tech leaders where we dig into the growth of the Utah tech scene, the stories behind some of the greatest local successes, and the secrets to growing tech leadership in Utah. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Jenkins and Brett Flake. Welcome to the Utah CTO Show. My name's Chris, and I'm here with my co-host, Brett Flake. Hello. And today, we are lucky to have Trina Limpert with us. Trina is president of Women at eBay, and she also is senior manager of technology over at eBay. And so, Trina, thank you for being here with us.
1: Absolutely happy to be here.
0: So, Trina, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, besides just these cool titles that we got to introduce you with, you know, tell us a little bit about you and what you're doing at eBay and president of Women at eBay, some of those things. We'd love to get to know you a little better.
1: Yeah, so um, probably to start, I'm a Utah native, born and raised here in Utah, moved around a lot, but always in Cache Valley and Utah County, so love Utah and was very fortunate as I kind of talk about my career in technology that I, I made that choice 25 years ago to make a shift into tech. Yeah. I would have known where we were heading back then, right? Yeah. So um, I've had a, a really incredible career always here in Utah. I've been able to travel outside of Utah, but always keep a base here. So very fortunate to be able to to have that and be a proponent for getting more people into technology and technology careers, and especially women. And so over my career, I've spent a lot of time working with women to try and overcome the barriers or challenges that might be there to have a career in technology. And where this all stemmed from was When I did my computer science degree, I was the only woman in my classes, and I'm looking around going, where is everybody? Yeah, right. Right? (laughs) So it's been, I actually wrote my thesis paper in college on why women should go into computer science. And in looking back, and I actually pulled this uh, recently, I spoke at uh, Weber State's graduation. Mm -hmm. So I pulled my paper, and the numbers have actually gotten worse. And so it's just one of those things where really kind of imprinted on me the importance of getting out being out there so that more girls and women can see because you can't you can't be what you can't see, right? So that's been something that's kind of motivated me and is a passion of mine to help with that.
0: Yeah, very cool. I think the first time I heard you speak was in at this event where we had girls that were being presented in high school, these awards for being mm-hmm. in tech, right? And love to hear that story, sort of how you got into tech. It was, it was fantastic kind of hearing that. And mm-hmm. and then also you talking about what you've done, being the only woman in your uh, your classes there at, um, in school. Tell us how you got started. Like, what was the impetus to getting you into tech?
1: Yeah, I like to share this story because it's one that makes me feel very vulnerable. You know, I get asked that a lot. And so I was thinking back, okay, what was it that got me into tech all these years ago? And it all came down to when I was 18 years old, I wrecked my light blue Chevy Malibu Classic into a parked car. Oh. <laughs> it all started there. And, and like hands down, that's when it all started happening for me because it sent me on this path that led me to riding my little brother's bike because I lost my driver's license because not only did I hit a parked car, but I had – I think, three speeding tickets and some other infractions. Mm -hmm. And I lost my license and was riding my brother's bike to a fast food restaurant called Vittles. And it was while I was working there, you know, sliding around on those greasy floors and arguing with over whose burger order was whose, that I was like, I am not doing this. Mm -hmm. This is not going to be my life. I have got to get out of here. (laughs) And so it really kind of was the seed, I guess, for me to go, what have I got to do? What have I got to do to get out of this? And my family didn't have a lot of money growing up. We struggled financially. And so there wasn't funding to get me into college. So I actually had to save my Vittles dollars for a period of time and got into my first semester at UVU. But I didn't start in computer science. I actually started out in architectural engineering and took some structural engineering, electrical. I I always loved to design things. That was always my background. Like growing up, that's what I really loved. And while at UVU, one of the elective classes was Pascal Programming. And so I took Pascal, and I'm like, "Oh, I can do this." You yeah. know we were doing materials estimations, and i'm like oh this is this is no big deal." And there's this new thing called computer science that uh, was kind of up and coming. And so I actually got a job working Hill Air Force Base. I worked graveyards mm-hmm. and went to school during the day and switched my degree up at Weaver State into computer science. And I have to say, other than marrying my husband and family <laughs> and all of that, yeah. That was probably one of the best decisions I've made because you just don't know at the time where things are going to go and have had all these amazing opportunities throughout all my career just based on that decision. And so I stuck with it, you know, it wasn't always easy. And like I said, I've worked full time since I was 15 and always done that and school and whatever else I'm working on. So I've just... Learn to multitask really, really well. I that's haven't
0: great. heard uh, the name Vittles in forever.
1: Yeah. You remember it? You're the first <laughs> well, I, person.
0: Well, I, uh, I grew up <laughs> here in Lehigh. And so Lehigh, on like Lehigh Main Street, there was the Vittles. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I think it was where uh, Arctic Circle is now. It's, or something
1: It's like Arctic that. Circle now. Yep. So <laughs> is that par- the one? Is that that's the, it. That's it's funny. It. That's yeah.
2: it. Yeah. Maybe we cross uh, paths sometimes. Yeah. It's <laughs> it. used to go there all Over the time. Over in
1: uh, Linden. I worked at the Linden Vittles. Yeah.
2: Yes. Oh, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> So I totally thought that your uh, the kind of punchline of the story of crashing your car was that you would want it to program self-driving cars. But I, <laughs> but I realized maybe that was, uh, <laughs> a, was a while ago. Yeah. A its time. <laughs> it
1: was in, definitely a while ago. <laughs>
2: uh, awesome. So, you know, you talk about the challenge around uh, having the kind of financial struggles in your family growing up. And maybe you could talk about the challenges that maybe you've had um, with your family.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's always when I get a lot, especially working with women and balancing home life and work life. And how do you do that? Especially where women more often are having to take care of a lot more of the domestic responsibilities and some of these things. So, on a personal level, I've gone through a lot of different challenges that has built a lot of resiliency in me. So, whether it was overcoming financial struggles and figuring a way through those and finding my way through my computer science degree into a Bachelor's of Business and Information Systems, into my MBA, those were all things where I had to get creative and finding ways to solve and come up with the finances to make that happen. And it always was a, a different path depending on where I was at. I went through a divorce and so I was a single mom for a period of time. And I have to say that's one that, again, builds a lot of resiliency, but I was very fortunate, and it's why I talk to a lot of women trying to get them into tech, is that the career that I've had, that was my safe zone. That was my stability when I didn't have a lot of stability in other areas. I always had my work, my career. I was able to help get a nanny or a gardener or somebody to come help when I didn't have that there. And so some of these things I've always kind of relied on, on things I've been able to become self-sufficient. And then most recently on a personal level, I just beat breast cancer. So, yeah, so that's one where I'm like, heck, yeah, I did that one, took that off. And so having gone through that and just on a personal level, you can't describe what that's like for all of those that have gone through something similar. Until you're in it, you can't really recognize the mental battle that happens and having to learn to just let go of things and then just being okay with it and allowing your life to go where it needs to go. And I've seen that also in my career. I've kind of stepped back and not pushed for things and just said, okay, wherever I'm supposed to go and whatever opportunities come up or wherever I need to shift to, just being willing to be open to those things as, as you move.
0: Through. Yeah, you've been able to overcome a lot of significant challenges in your career that way. Yes. That's uh, pretty impressive. One of the things that I was thinking about is this, it almost sounded like a really good book title to be like the domestic engineer and software engineer, right? Like being able to talk about, (laughs) because it was funny when we had Sid Tetro in here a couple of weeks ago, similarly was talking about how those are some of the challenges that us, I guess, males in the industry, we just don't have to deal with as often, right? It does happen, but it's just not as often. And and I think that being sensitive to that as an engineering manager or Mm -hmm. somebody that's running teams with women on the team, right, where they have those responsibilities at home, I think can really help augment your team
1: uh, significantly. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Another thing that I thought of, you know, because we've actually worked, Chris and I've worked with uh, a couple of single mothers in the past and, and kind of wrapping your head around some of the challenges that they have in their personal life can be really helpful to augment the culture to help accommodate people's family lives, not just single mothers. But I want to say that just to get my plug in here for tech careers, but a lot of these careers are very flexible. And that makes it a lot more possible for people with non-traditional family setup or just a different lifestyle or whatever it is to be able to have. And high paying. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of flexibility, better pay, yeah, good options. I've, it's I've growing.
1: that within my career, and I've had really amazing leaders that have been open to, "Hey, this is what's going on in my life right now. Are you good if I leave, you know, two thirty every day, and then I'll be online working? Mm. There's not set hours, and I think that's the shift. I think this is kind of a big mindset shift that people need to get used to: is that you don't need to work a set nine to five. Do it when you need to, and that. Flexibility definitely enables mothers to be able to support kids and, and not just mothers, parents are able to help take care of their families and then also be able to contribute and be fulfilled within a career their career.
0: So I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about what you're doing with mother coders and, and things like that outside of your work at eBay and at yeah. home. But before we do that, you and I, before we got into the studio, we talked a little bit about engineering management. And part of yeah. what we're trying to do here at the Utah CTO show is figure out and help our listeners better understand what it's like to move from sort of an engineering, full-time coding position to a management role and some of the things that you have to do there. Tell us what it's like managing engineers and the things that maybe have helped you in in doing that process.
1: Yeah, you know what it all comes down to is you've gotta put people first every time. And it's understanding and building relationships with individuals, understanding them as much on a personal level as they're willing to as well as what their capabilities, what their background is, what they could do, and then providing opportunities for them to develop and grow. And so career development and really focusing on the person and where they want to go is really important for me. And the technology comes later, right? It's the skill sets and the things that are needing to do each project or solution or what you're putting out there that comes later. When you put people first, they come up with great ideas and solutions because they then are more engaged. They're willing to speak up. You don't want to run an organization that's muffled. And and I've been in those organizations where they're just living in a, like, okay, I just got to get this done. right? And then don't feel like they can actually speak up if they're seeing something is going to go the wrong way. You do not want to be in that type of environment. So I think if you're focused on your people before the technology, you're always going to come out ahead.
0: Any hiring tips at all? We've both spent time hiring engineers and engineering managers and have been hired as managers before. What tips do you have in terms of looking for quality managers?
1: Yeah, for hiring managers. There's a few things that are going through my mind, but I think, again, the culture that you're trying to bring into your company, understanding that really well first And then asking questions of that manager of how have they built their teams, what have they done to um, enable their teams, kind of more questions around the people and the development of their teams and less about the technology that was delivered, I think, is brings in the right mindset of that people-first focus.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And definitely I've had the experience where I've focused more on the coding side and wanting somebody that was more skilled in the engineering side. And it turned out that that wasn't uh, the most important piece. Right. <laughs> so, And then they ended up wanting to go back to engineering anyway. So
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: rather than being a manager. Uh,
1: understanding they still have to work in teams and with other people. Right. Excellent.
2: Well, yeah. So go ahead and tell us a little bit more about Mother Coders and what you do there, what your goal
1: is. Yeah. So I just got involved two months ago through a friend of mine that said there was the wife of Mikkel Blake from DeGreed. Mm -hmm. She had gone through this program and was looking to bring it to Utah. So MotherCoders.org, they've worked with companies like Google and others. They're based out of the Silicon Valley area, but have also run this out of Brooklyn where... They identified there's this untapped talent pool in mothers that are highly qualified, highly educated, and just need a little bit of help of transitioning and understanding where the opportunities are in tech. And so for years, I've seen this gap. There's constant discussion of, well, we don't have enough people in tech. We need more people in tech. We have 6,000 open jobs in Utah right now that are tech-based. And on the other hand, I'm having women come to me and saying, Trina, show me how. I want to. How how do I get in? And so there's this gap and it drives me crazy. And so when Mikkel reached out to me and said, hey, we want to bring this to Utah, I was like, I'm all in. What do we need to do? And so we're looking to set up a cohort of women to go through this program where they learn all the different types of technology career paths they could go down. Mm -hmm. So there's coding, program management, there's some UX design in there. Gives them an understanding of all the different paths and then helps them move on to, okay, what's the next step for you? Mm -hmm. What's the skill gap that you need to to get in with companies? And then I've also started working with various companies to see how we can recruit and place them at the company at the end of the program when they're finished. So we're looking to set that up and looking for companies to come in both from a financial donation standpoint to help get that set up as well as those that are looking to find more women and more diversity and partnering with us.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. I think Utah is probably the place that's ripe for that. You know, there's probably a lot of women out there that have finished even degrees but have been out of the workforce for a while. And and so I think this is a great pathway in. Mm -hmm. Are you guys seeing a lot of response yet or are you just getting started on that piece?
1: Response from the companies?
2: yeah and, and At, getting uh, getting mothers involved
1: yeah so we haven't put the word out for mothers to apply yet but when they did this before they had over 256 applicants and we okay. could only they i think they only put through 23 oh okay
2: so there's Part demand to
1: scale, there's huge demand okay. and we know that the demand is there and when i speak with all of the different companies there's a lot of interest in trying to figure out how to make this work and starting to put these cohorts together so I'm getting good response on both sides.
0: Yeah, I have a neighbor who uh, has been in finance most of her career and then just now decided I'm going to switch into engineering and be mm-hmm. in the software side, you know. Yeah. And I thought that's really interesting. It kind of aligns with a little bit of what you're doing. It seems like that desire is there yeah. in the community.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just removing – I think sometimes we overcomplicate what technology is. First yeah. of all, we we call it tech. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And there's how many hundreds of different roles that that encompasses and then coming into it and trying to decipher what is a program project manager slash scrum master versus digital marketing or sales, technical sales or coding or even knowing that those roles exist. This helps with kind of explaining the industry and taking that confusion out of it and then putting them on the right path.
0: Yeah, I've said this before, but I've had folks from one of the school districts approach me and said that, you know, we have a number of people that are either dropping out of school or they're teen moms and they don't know, they kind of think that their lives are over basically, right, Yeah. at that age. And and I keep thinking about, again, back to that gap, there's so many open jobs, but, mm-hmm. but how do we bridge the gap with people that are interested and willing to do the work, right, that are very hard workers? Yeah. It's that education piece, right? It's it like is. how do you help somebody understand that, you know, you could come into tech and be a, a product owner or mm-hmm. analyst or manager yeah. or something like that, right? And, right? and you don't have to be a coder to, be, no. to do that kind of There's stuff. There's
1: so much more opportunity. What do they say? Seven jobs for every developer. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, and I, I also am on the board at UVU for the Women's Success Center. And that's another thing that we're looking to do is the, unfortunately, the completion rate is really low for women mm. in Utah. And so actually completing their degrees is another area of focus that knowing that there's some there's a light at the end of the tunnel and then how do you get that support so that they can finish.
0: Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about the struggles that uh, we kind of face in Utah mm-hmm. Tech, but is there anything that inspires you about Utah Tech?
1: Yeah, it's just growing. It's so <laughs> much fun. It's like, click put your seatbelts on. Let's go, right? So I think throughout my whole career that's been really fun is the opportunities that have come up and just would have never thought of, right? And I look back and I I was joking as I was speaking this last fall at Weber State and I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, back when I did my degree, I remember giving – I had to do a public speaking class and I was talking about these new things called digital cameras. Mm Mm-hmm. And the people in the class were more interested about how to change a bike tire than they were about digital cameras. And I was like, you guys are missing it. This is really, really cool. And who would have thought now we'd carry around cell phones or phones as an additional body appendage, right? It's just that change and that flux of change is so exciting and, and it's fun to be part of it. I love that. Awesome.
2: So maybe you can let us know how people can get more involved with Mother Coders and perhaps how people can take advantage of that, of the services that are offered.
1: On mothercoders.org, there's a submission form for both wanting to participate in the cohort or for corporate sponsorships. And then anybody can get a hold of me as well, Trina Limpert at ebay.com.
0: Very cool. Well, Trina, thank you so much for joining us today on the Utah CTO Show. Very much appreciate that. I appreciate
1: you having me. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thanks. If your computing infrastructure is running in a cloud service like AWS or Azure, you've likely sunk time into manually configuring and maintaining a monitoring tool. Tasks like understanding baselines, fine-tuning thresholds, and examining visualizations for defects require significant time and effort, taking time away from your most important priorities. Wouldn't it be nice if you could automate this monitoring and alerting process? That's where Blue Matador comes in. Unlike all other monitoring tools on the market, Blue Matador eliminates the need to manually configure alerts, after a quick onboarding, Blue Matador instantly discovers all of your resources, automatically creates hundreds of alerts out of the box, and proactively notifies you of critical production issues. This saves you massive amounts of time and ensures that you'll always know the health of your cloud services. And right now, they are providing a special offer to our listeners here on the Utah CTO Show. Just head to bluematadorcom slash show. Sign up for a free trial and integrate your AWS account or Kubernetes account for 14 days, and they will send you $100. They are so confident that you'll love their product that they are offering our listeners $100 just to try it. So go to bluematador.com slash show to start your free trial today. Terms and conditions apply.